welcome to the Purpose Cycle Podcast. This podcast helps you unlock the secrets to success. Welcome to Season 3. Here is what we've got in store for you today. Uh, welcome to, to our meeting this evening with uh, with Mr. John Tucker. Um, the purpose of this evening, my name is Matt Scar and I'm going to be introducing John. Uh, he's got a fantastic initiative out, fantastic book that we need to talk about this evening. Um, John, first of all, how are you doing? You all right? Brilliant, thank you. Uh, Matt, thank you for, for chatting to me this evening. I'm really looking forward to it. No, my pleasure, mate. My pleasure. Um, you know, I've known John for a long time, so let's put that out there straight away. Um, this isn't something that's, that's completely new to myself. I've known John for a long, long time. He's been unfortunate enough to know me and, and go to school with me and, uh, and many other things um, and various social occasions where he no doubt wishes he wasn't there with me. Uh, <laughs> but, but tonight, John, I want to speak to you a bit about, a bit about the book you've got, um, what you hope to achieve from it, um, how people can help with that and how people can get involved. I just want to start off with a, a little bit. You're a teacher. Teachers love little icebreakers, don't they? We do. We do indeed. Let's start off with a few little quick, quick fire ones for yourself. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Really? Good. Yeah. Good answer. I like that. Starter or dessert? Dessert. Ooh, don't like that. Uh, <laughs> night in or night out? Night in now. I've hit thirty now. <laughs> <laughs> Cocktails or beer? Beer. Good man. Good man. Favourite film? The Pursuit of Happiness. Ah, nice. Favourite book? Uh, well, uh, hopefully we'll have a new one in December, but I've got to say it's uh, Vex King's um, Good Vibes, Good Life. First job? First job? Uh, well, I had a boring one uh, sort of as a, as a sort of casual football coach, but first proper job with shifts and everything was Costa Coffee. Nice. Yeah. Can you do a flat white? That was the one thing I always struggled with. I never earned me my beans badge uh, for doing a flat white, but I can do one now. <laughs> They're the tricky ones. They're the yeah. tricky ones, right? What's your favourite drink? Oh, I've got to say, uh, a nice glass of 19 Crimes red wine. Nice. I'm on board with that one massively. Um, favourite place to be? Uh, I would say at home with the missus. Lovely. And favourite holiday destination? Santorini. Nice, lovely, lovely. I'm assuming you've been. Yep, that's uh, where I propose. Uh, it's got a special place for me, Matt. Lovely place to be. And dream holiday destination. I'd love to go to the Maldives. Perfect, lovely, cool. Now we know a bit more about you, John. Yeah. Is there anything, is there anything we've missed off that you'd like to volunteer about yourself? Uh, well, it probably might be worth just sort of mentioning, like you, you sort of have hit, uh, touched on it earlier. Uh, I'm a school teacher, so. Um, that's my my day to day job. Uh, I'm sort of venturing into pastures new, kind of. It's it has a similar sort of theme to it, I suppose. But a lot of the things that we'll discuss this evening will probably come from the fact that I've I've always been in education, whether it's sports coaching or going into um, actual education teaching in the classroom, uh, as it were, as well. So tell us a bit about that then, John. Where did where did the the education and the teaching bug come from for you? I think it came from secondary school. Uh, as, as you know, we both attended the same secondary school and I felt extremely inspired by, it was mainly the PE staff, actually, at, at our school, Wolverton School. Um, and some of, I, I didn't really enjoy primary school. I had a really bad experience with primary school. Uh, it's funny because of these icebreakers, like you mentioned, I always get asked, what's your, what's your best memory of primary school? And I said, I can't remember. I, I really, I can't remember much of primary school, but secondary school, really vivid memories and feel really inspired. 
um, by just be, by going every day. And I was like chomping at the bit to go, uh, a complete mindset shift. So that really sort of inspired me, really. I said I wanted to be uh, a PE teacher or an RE teacher. I don't know if you had Mr. Whitley as a teacher, yes. RE teacher. I thought he was fantastic as well. So it was one of those two sort of areas, really. And then I found myself, uh, we did a sports leaders course for our PE teacher um, at the time, Mr. Temperton. That really got me into the sports coaching. So I, I sort of fell into that, really. I did sports coaching at university uh, and then went off to America and did some, some football or soccer, as they call it, soccer coaching. And it sort of carried on from there. I just love to, to work with children and inspire them to, that they could all feel at that age, everyone would want to be the next Ronaldo or the next Messi. Everyone was uh, bought into what you were doing. Um, as, as you know, when you, when you try to coach older kids, they get a bit grumpier, they get a bit more temperamental. So really coaching the youngsters was where I thought that age of the weather like a sponge. And then I sort of got into that habit myself really uh, and developing my own education because I felt like I was a bit of a, a slow burner at school uh, and I, I enjoyed it but it took me a while to mature as a, as a learner and I found myself learning a lot more in my 20s than I did in my teens uh, and that's sort of where the idea is now to come from to go into becoming an author and all of these things because I feel like that sort of neuroplasticity of you don't ever really finish learning was where I, I found a bit of a passion for it obviously going from sports then to the classroom, I had to go and learn everything again that I did at school, learn how you did all of the maths and all of this sort of stuff. So I found it fascinating and you're always learning on the job and the kids are obviously going on that journey with you as well. So that's why I love it. You mentioned, John, that you didn't have the greatest experience at primary school uh, and people, we've not alluded to it yet, but you, you are a primary school teacher. Did that bring bearing into your decision to go into primary school teaching was that you wanted to influence and make sure that people didn't have that similar experience to what you had? Yeah, in a way, because I found that a lot of the, the pupils, uh, the peers that we had in our year group, there was, there was a percentage of which that were probably lost by the time they got to secondary school and they weren't really in, invested in, in the school. And I'd always think this is such a great place to be. Why do these people not enjoy coming? Or why are these teachers getting such a hard time when all they're trying to do is the best? Which is obviously natural for any, any kid, really. But... I wanted to be that, you know, I, I would always sort of reflect on the, the lessons that Mr. Temperton, Mr. Ram, really not my teachers, you all you, you always call them, we call them to this day, we call them sir, <laughs> quite a lot of them because you have that respect for them. So I wanted to be that, you know, the Mr. Tucker for, for someone who was in year five, year six, and really found a love for learning, and then they can carry on that. Um, and then not in an egotistical way, oh, you, I hope you remember me as your favourite teacher, not at all, but as a, as a, a person who maybe inspired a bit of, of a love for learning. Uh, and also just someone who encourages passion so whatever you like to do go and do it it doesn't matter you don't have to be the one size fits all which I thought you had to be at primary school you had to jump through the hoops of a standardized system you can actually all you're doing now is laying the foundations for going on to be entrepreneurs or you know a lot of people a lot of the jobs now online and all of these kinds of things that we're seeing and there was a stat that I saw that 80% of jobs that uh, uh, will be available to the children uh, of the future haven't been invented yet because the the technology of the world's evolving so it's kind of a case of me not not being the flag bearer of changing the system but trying to instill a bit of a different way of doing things really and a lot of the younger teachers are like the same now really we're, we realize the world's changing and you can't do you know it was a lot different from when we went to primary school I think yeah, I mean, you know my background as well. I've coached kids for, for years and years. And one of the things I've always found is 
I tried to teach them in my own way, a different way, if that makes sense. Um, I think when you alluded to there, when we were at school, particularly in primary school, very much a case of coming up to exam season, here's your answers, repeat back after me. Um, yeah. I could never learn like that. I always struggled. I, I couldn't do it because it just wasn't in me. Whereas I found personally, you talk about being a slow burner. When I went to university, that's when I started to learn. That's when I started to flourish, when I could go off on my own and do my own thing and my own way of learning, of exploring and, and gathering information myself. Um, you know, that, that's where I found my, my learning to be at its best. And when I've coached kids, I've always said to them, I'm never going to give you answers. Please ask me questions. Um, I always find that people who are inquisitive will do much better. It's just, as you say, they're at that age group of, of being so young, it's so hard to get them to to want to be inquisitive. But I, I find that they are naturally inquisitive, but we've instilled a, a philosophy of people not wanting to do that, not wanting to come out of the shell. Fear of failure is such a huge thing, such a huge thing now. Everybody's yeah. terrified of failure. We're always taught that if you fail this, you fail that, you're wrong, you're not good enough. Um, you know, and I think it stifles a lot of people. You know, taking me a long time to learn that. A very yeah. long time to learn that, you know, up into my late twenties, early thirties, it's taken me a long time. Um, you know, so it's interesting to hear what you say there about trying your very best to implement that change from a young age. It's it's really good stuff. Now, what I want to go on to now, John, is I want to speak a bit more in depth about what it is you've you've decided to undertake. Um, yeah. You mentioned there yeah. a change away slightly from education, but tied in, uh, tied into that. So tell us all about what it is you're up to at the moment, and and you becoming not just a, a teacher and an educator, but an author. How how is that going, and, and what's been the situation with that? Yeah, it's crazy, really. When you when you come to think of it, uh, back to schools and stuff. My my English teacher probably if they ever heard that I was writing a book would, would have a fit at first before sort of having a look at the idea and looking at how we've changed but yeah it's the key word for me is inspire and, and I, I found a bit of a bug for it I absolutely love going out and inspiring people and I think with some of the charity work that me and you have both been involved in we, we've done certain events and people have come away feeling quite inspired so I sort of realized actually I can inspire more than just primary school aged children um, which I, I love doing, but to be to have a, a greater effect on the world is something that I really would develop a lot of enthusiasm for, and that's that came through reading, uh, and and it was all caused by the first coronavirus lockdown. Um, it was crazy, really, because I'd always wanted to read, but I was one of those people who said I just don't have the time. I, I've got such a busy life, I do not have the time, and I had to obviously become a little bit more selfish with how I manage my time because I had quite a lot of high demands from the job and I'd always undertake different projects and that was something that I always loved doing and, and as you know with the charity I had to maybe take a little bit of a step back because at, there comes a certain point I talk about realizations in the book you have a realization of actually I'm undertaking too much on and I become less efficient because I can't if I'm trying to commit 10% to 10 different things it just doesn't work so I started reading more for mindfulness than anything and I got into, I've always been a big fan of self-help books. When I was about 18, 19, I first discovered the self-help sort of section. And, and it was all about trying to grow a bit more confidence because I was a very quiet kid at school. And I'm, I am very introverted, um, which a lot of people say, oh, you, you speak well, you're confident, but I'm actually a, a huge introvert. And it, it is like one of those skills that you have to learn, really. So that's how I got into it. And I was reading a lot during the lockdown. Uh, and, I, and Bex King's Good Vibes, Good Life was one of them. 
Uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear is another book that I'd really recommend, which I found amazing. And all of these different uh, self-help books, which made me think, I'm reading someone's book who I've, I've literally not heard of until I picked up the book. And they could be sat in you know, America, Australia, India, wherever. They've written this book and it's having a huge impact on me. And they probably don't have a, a clue that it does. But, you know, why why not try something that is is as huge as that really and try and have a wider impact? And every single year I write a leave a speech for my year six students before I go on to secondary school. And it was all about going through the seasons of your life and how you'll aspire to be something you'll have like kind of, I, I don't know, like a grounding experience, a realization uh, before then choosing do you pursue that avenue of your dream or do you redirect and start again in life and there'll be lots of other different uh, inputs both externally from social media and what your friends are doing and internally to what you've always wanted to do uh, and I, I thought I'd just write about that really because that's something that I found myself I spent a lot of my late teens early 20s probably chasing the dreams of others because it was what everyone else was doing uh, and then I started to go off on my own a little bit and I've really become a lot more of an individual and, and really sort of found myself and that was all that's all I wanted to do really with this idea so I started just writing writing things down every night uh, I had a little journal next to my bed because I'd, I'd just run through these ideas and I wouldn't be able to sleep and I'd have all of this information in my head so I just write it all down and then in the morning it'd be there and I think oh I think there might be a book in this you know and uh fair play to my partner Sarah she's been incredible she's like you know why don't you do it then why don't you start writing and the rest they say is history <laughs> so you've alluded a little bit to it there John about how you started off with the book yeah. but tell me about the process you know because I think people often assume when they pick up a book that it, it's just there it's it's a long stream of consciousness it's just written uh, people have an idea it comes to them and they just write it down and it goes and it flows uh, but but tell me the truth actually <laughs> about yeah. what it was like the, the process of writing a book from from start to where you are now, what does it yeah. take? So the um, the lockdown, obviously, we were restricted going outside. Uh, we couldn't really do much. And I'm very much an active person. I have to be exercising. I have to be doing something to keep myself sane, really. And and for the sake of my own sort of mental health and my physical health has to be good. So I have to be doing something all the time. And exercising the brain is what I turn to. So I started writing. I thought, actually, I'm finding a bit of flow state here. This is this is quite easy, you know. And I I, I literally it took me. Uh, I, I don't know how many weeks to write my dissertation, which was 10,000 words at university. And I knocked out 10,000 words for this book in, uh, I don't know, a day or two. It was just all this information. Now, don't get me wrong, a lot of it has been edited and tweaked and stuff. It wasn't <laughs> all there. But I found like a bit of a passion for it. So what I started to do was obviously write, dedicate, like, I'm going to write about this, I'm going to write about that and be a little bit more structured. And then obviously when the, world, the whole world opens up again and, you know, work comes back to normal, it does get a lot harder. I mean, I can't stress out enough really to, to those people who are part-time authors and workers how I, I, I tip my hat to them because it's it has very quickly become one of the most difficult things I've ever done. <laughs> but I love a challenge. I, I've done the, the Three Peaks, UK Three Peaks uh, challenges, run the London Marathon, all of these physical challenges. I think... Writing a book is a, a crazy mental challenge, but it's something that I believe is is really worth it in the long run because you're going to get so much from it. Uh, I've already got a lot from it. I've learned a lot about myself, and I've tried to use that as my motivation, my fuel. I'm actually writing it for me, not for anybody else. Uh, I'm giving myself the advice 
And I also wanted it to be another thing. It sounds crazy. Um, so I haven't got a family yet. But I wanted to think, well, what am I giving? What could my children pick up in the future? And that's the words that I would probably give them. And that's the fuel really that I had. Um, try to not do it for everyone else, but do it for yourself. Mm. Right. It's as good a reason as any. Yeah. It really is. Uh, talk to me a bit then, John, about the structure of the book. What structure does the book take? So, um, again, I keep uh, alluding back to uh, last year's restrictions, everything, but there was a, a really good Netflix documentary that came out called The Last Dance. Mm. Um, I hope you weren't thinking I was talking about the Tiger King there, because that was also a good yeah, uh, yeah. documentary. Well, but, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the, the Last Dance, I'm a, a huge sports fan, and, and seeing how the Chicago Bulls, the journey that they had, and I had a little bit of an idea from that. The the structure of the documentary flickered through different timelines and it was going back and forth through different journeys, through Michael John's early career, through after he retired, and it was flickering back and forth. And that was an idea I had through the book. I've never read a book before that has flickered through various timelines. It's gone back and forth in, in the same timeline. But I, I gave three experiences, really, three really pr profound and vivid experiences that I've had in my life. And I've flickered through those timelines as the book's gone on. So each chapter will have three stories, um, 20, uh, 21, 23, and 25, the start. Um, but as it gets, as the journey gets older, because there's different purpose cycles for sort of time, really, you can't really designate a particular one to it. Um, these timelines continue. And basically what it is to show is that these the lessons that we learn in the book are applicable to various different situations, not just one situation that I've had. And also it talks about the people I meet along the way uh, and interact with because I've learned a lot from them as well. So that's sort of the structure of it in a sense, but following the stories, the creative nonfiction as it's called, because some names may have been changed or may not have been changed for various reasons. <laughs> there is a, a sort of analysis section. So I do, I've done a lot of research behind some of the things that I've thought of because if I think of an idea of obviously, first of all, I've got to check that it's not been thought of before, but also there might be some research to back it up, which makes it more credible. So there is some sort of academic research behind it. And then finally, in the, in the third section of each chapter, there's some tasks that are applicable to people that they can do. So it's more like you're writing your own story as well, not just myself. So you'll be able to take these practical tasks. I always encourage people to have a notepad with them and things like that. Uh, to to be active really with the book because I don't want it to be something like you sit down and read and it's just you, you, you sat down constantly I'm very active uh, I always need to be changing what I'm doing keeping focus so I believe that the tasks will do that for, for readers so you you mentioned very briefly there the title of the book um, so in case people didn't pick out on that what what's the book called John so the the book is called the purpose cycle unlock the secrets to success and then so what's the reasoning behind that then as a as a title obviously you mentioned you came up with all these ideas during lockdown yeah. you're writing them down you you're almost equating your story to practical experience are you, are you without giving too much away because we want people to go and buy the book uh, when you're equating these experiences to your story and are you perhaps saying in there how you might have done things differently or how you potentially could do things now in the future to to help with those issues? Definitely. You're always learning. And, and for me, the main idea behind the book is all of the self-help, well, personal development, I prefer to call it, personal development books take you from A to B, <clears throat> like how to do this. And then you will come out better than you did when you began the book. But 
I've never, I've only really reread one or two books that I found really powerful. Um, the purpose cycle is applicable constantly, hence the cycle element. So the actual end of the fruition, which is the last section of the book, when you're obtaining that fruition from what you've sown in previous sort of experiences, what you've been doing along the way, you then begin a new aspiration. Uh, and then it, it kickstarts again. You, you sort of level up in your life. You always want to improve and become further. You kind of, well, you should want to better yourself constantly. So, you know, it's quite a dangerous thing at 21. You're saying, I want to graduate from university. And then you graduate and you go, ha, oh, there we go. Life is complete because you've got a long way to go, hopefully. So you want to develop a new aspiration and it, it kickstarts again. And of course, your goals change as you grow and as you become more experienced as a person. My, my main focus initially was to qualify as a teacher. And then I saw some of the amazing jobs that my head teacher was doing and, and my leaders were doing. So I wanted to become a leader just like them. So it changes all the time. And um, just it, like you said about the experiences and, and being positive and negative, there's a lot of both in there. And um, not, not all stories finish on a, on a happy ending is, is what I can say there as well. So as, as sort of a bit of a, a clue there as well. Hmm. No, it's, it, it sounds fascinating. I, I'm interested as well about you mentioned obviously doing the research element of the book in terms of uh, academic research and and how that backs up as I alluded to a bit earlier that's something that in university I, I sort of enjoyed and got stuck into how did you find having to go away and, and do that and you know was it disheartening sometimes I think I've come up with this great idea and then think ah oh, well so and so et al 1973 already came up with that one yeah it is crazy because you'll always find variations of something that you've sort of become like, brought up. And there's a couple of different acronyms and theories that I've managed to sort of find that not find anything for, which is really great. But then the supporting evidence between different points can be, can be linked because, yeah. you know, a lot of things have already been kind of invented and a lot of things are getting reinvented, but I tried to bring different interpretations. I feel like my main strength as an educator was to be able to deliver something that's understandable and relatable to the person that I'm teaching. So I was hoping that I could really go through that channel of the book as well, because um, I'm trying to, like I said, I was writing it for myself. So I want to read it for myself and make sure it's understandable because there are many books that I've been kind of interested in, but I haven't finished because I thought it's just too difficult to try and get my head around. So, so that, those kinds of experiences as well, but it was, it was quite enjoyable to see that a lot of the things that I've, I was believing, it has some real uh, substance to it as well, because what I love, finding out about is social dynamics and, and how they sort of how the brain works and how we're sort of innate as humans to, to act in a certain way one of my big things that i love to research is body language and communication so those kinds of things i find really fascinating to, to look at mm. so in terms of the, the purpose cycle then john are there any any particular stages to the purpose cycle itself yeah so there's, there's five main stages and um, I won't give away the lessons for each one, a key character trait, because basically at the end of each chapter, there's three main lessons that I want you to learn from each stage. But then there's an opportunity for you to write three le three main lessons that you've learned from each chapter at each stage. And then a key character trait. Um, and I won't, I won't go into those quite yet, but the, the, the actual stages themselves, the first one is aspiration. So we, we think of an idea. We, we see something that we like. Uh, I didn't want to call it inspiration because quite a lot of our triggers are from society, are external. Our initial aspirations as kids, uh, a lot of us at school, like, for example, myself, you watch David Beckham on TV, you want to become a footballer. Or, you know, you see dad go out to work every day, and, you know, 
have a really good job or whatever it is and you think oh, I want to do that as well I want to provide for my family it could be anything like that um, and you have that aspiration and as you obviously get older I think through your early teens you, you do a lot of there's a lot of peer influence you see what the others are doing and the danger is at the minute with things like social media and using it in a negative way you're looking at celebrities or you're looking at Instagram influencers and you're aspiring to have that so it's really key to try and focus on what is a true aspiration and once you develop that aspiration you do get the realizations it could be something along the lines of I split into four different types uh, with the realization phase realization of self so you find out a lot about yourself that stage and that's the most difficult one because a lot of people don't want to have that that deep conversation with themselves essentially which is you know I need to to change how I'm acting in a certain way or you realize that you don't have the drive or desire you know there's only there's only one Cristiano Ronaldo in this world for a reason um there's only one Elon Musk all of these kinds of people for a particular reason they have that thing about themselves uh, but the realization of others as well who's your crowd who do you have around you to say you the average of five people who are closest to you so what is your inner circle like and and then we look at the the realization of your environment uh, it's not as easy to go and quit your job become self-employed and launch your dream business if you're supporting a family of five it's just one of those you're going to have to find another way to do it you're going to have to change your environment to enable you to do so uh, and finally the task oriented realization if i wanted to become an NBA player, I'm five foot seven, Matt. So I'm not. I'm going to have a, a struggle with the task orientated element of that particular aspiration. So you have to reset and go back again and, and find something that's suitable. It's not one of those sort of airy fairy books of you can be anything that you want to be as long as you think it. It's there is an element of hard work and, and perseverance to go with that as well. It, it's I love to manifest and that's something that I do. But you you bring the opportunity to your door and then you've got to do the work yourself. So that's what the realization phase is about. Um, the other three phases, the initiation phase, the hardest part of any journey is to start. You always, like you said, fear of failure is the main blockage to, to everybody's journey. Fear of, you know, looking silly. People might ridicule you. I mean, I, I love it now. If I ever see or hear anybody sort of um, throw a bit of, a bit of banter towards me writing a book or doing whatever it is if I'm having to do a TikTok to try and promote the book and all of this sort of stuff it's just that you know people do actually stop their journey before it begins because of those things and I try and use it as fuel now and I absolutely love it because if you know if you're not getting spoken about you're not doing something right maybe uh, and then the the second to last stage the creation stage and actually day to day how you go about your life it's the routines that you set it's the systems that you have in place in order to become successful and it's basically that consistency over a long period of time, which leads to the final stage of fruition. And the things that you've dreamt to of what you've worked hard for, begin to show. And you reap the rewards from that. Uh, and I, it was initially called fulfillment when I first drafted it. But fulfillment, we'd never really quite get there with total fulfillment until probably later life. So I called it fruition because then it would kickstart the next aspiration. Uh, like, like a farmer who's reaping the seeds of one particular harvest. He's got to go and plant them again for next season. So it's the same with our our dreams and aspirations, I suppose. You want to kickstart and go again. Mm. I, I really like the bit where you mentioned there about sort of aspiration versus inspiration. Um, I'm very much with you there. Obviously, the, the work I do, I have to be very active on, on things like LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Always interests me on there to see what, what I personally believe is, is the glamorization of, of overworking. 
Um, so people believe that you have to start the day at four in the morning. Um, and in all of these tropes that you see of people listing what they do with their day, very rarely do they mention interaction with, with others, you know, interaction with family, with, with kids, with friends. Um, you know, and for me, I personally believe, and this is where the, the aspiration versus inspiration thing comes along. If you're taking your inspiration from that, there will be something miss, missing. So when, when you're getting to the fruition stage that you talk about there, what is it you're actually aspiring to achieve? You know, if, if you're aspiring to achieve being exhausted and having a few pennies in your pocket, you might get there. Um, yeah. But what do we aspire to have? And what do we aspire to be? I believe is a, a very important question um, worth exploring probably very much at another time. But yeah. I, I really like that aspect. And I'll make clear here as well at this point, I've not read the book. I've not seen any excerpts from the book. I didn't want to before we did this. I want to come in completely blind. And yeah. um, Tell me then, John, where do you see the future of this? You know, for for you now, you've you've, you've come to, to the stage where you've written it out. It's all out there now. It's all out of your head. It's down there. It's on paper. Where where does this go for you for now? Well, just before I, I say where, where it goes, I just want to touch on that last point you made about finding yourself as, as a whole person, uh, because there's an interesting piece of research I did in the fruition stage uh, with this Japanese concept called Ikigai. And it cannot, it's not translated to any English word. Um, so I try, I sort of used Ikigai as what the fruition is, essentially. And that there's different strands to Ikigai, but you need to have all of them, essentially, to become a, the, a well-rounded person in, in terms of Japanese culture. And um, there's, there's four different strands to it. Your passion, your mission, your vocation, and your profession. Um, so the passion and profession elements come in to something that you're good at. If you do something that you're good at, you're going to get that sense of fulfillment and fruition from there. And you have to have that passion to drive. Um, and like Simon Sinek says, working hard for something you don't care about is called stress. Working hard for something you do care about is called passion. And then your passion and mission link together to talk about what you love. And um, like you say, you have the passion in your workplace, Matt, but as we're both members of, of a charity, we have the passion, but we also have a mission. We have a driving force to do something that we love to do, and that's to help people. And then your mission and vocation tie in together to what the world needs. And then finally, your profession and vocation tie into what you can be paid for. So that is an element, what you can be paid for and how you can earn a good life, good quality of life does come into that. But that concept of ikigai is bringing it all together. And obviously, having that, um, that love and support would go into that passion and mission element because it should be your, your passion to, to be in a loving sort of relationship if that's what you want to go and do and build a family um, and have strong connections with, with other people so funny you should mention that because I thought I'd, I'd just mention that before we go on to where I see the, the whole journey going um, and in terms of seeing where the journey goes I'd just love to to have somebody one day somebody completely random drop me a message on LinkedIn Instagram whatever it is and just say I've read your book and I've felt really inspired. And I feel like that would just absolutely make my day. Uh, and of course, if that's a little piece of fruition, we always want to get a little bit more and, and hopefully, it, you know, and see a, a new aspiration. And that would be for me to probably be able to do, have some opportunity to speak uh, publicly, either in front of companies, organizations, help groups, people who need it. I'm already starting to do a little bit of that in January. I'm going to my old school, our, our old secondary school in January to work with the English department. Uh, which is really great because they, they called me and invited me down, which I thought was was just unbelievable. And I'm going to 
uh, a couple of my old universities as well, uh, University of Hull, the University of Teesside to do some speaking. So that would be to do a bit more of that because I, still, I suppose that's still working with younger people. I'd love to be able to inspire the 30, 40, 50 year old people who might think, well, this is the course I'm on now for the rest of my life. It's never too late to start again. And I'd love the purpose cycle to show them that. No, perfect, perfect. So, you know, I think in the more immediate future then, what, what's planned for the book? So uh, the, the book is currently undergoing a crowdfunding phase. So it's quite an Americanized way of looking at it at the moment um, because I, I've been accepted for published by American company New Degree Press. I was picked up on a, on a book writer's course um, by somebody called Eric Costa from Georgetown University. Uh, basically, when I started writing, I started the Purpose Cycle podcast, which is what I use to try and build an audience. But also when I'm writing my book, I need to interview people. I need to get experiences and stories. So I used it as a great opportunity to do both. And I, I interviewed somebody called Terry McDougall, and she was a, a business coach from America. And she said she really believed in the idea. And she got me in touch with this book professor who then enrolled me on this on this uh, program. So once you complete the program, you get accepted or declined for publication. That was a nerve wracking uh, couple of weeks waiting for the, the green light or red light. And yeah, Obviously, now we're in a crowdfunded uh, phase where it's from a hybrid publisher. So they want me to have 100% ownership rights of my book. So there's no kind of glamorous book deal or anything like that where you sort of sell your soul. It's all about crowdfunding the, the book yourself to get it to print. Uh, and I'm 42% of the way there as it stands. So uh, I, I need to raise uh, enough money. 100% of my goal would, would enable me to get the book to print. And that would make my dream come true, essentially, because then it could go out onto Amazon it go to Book Reads, WH Smiths, contacted a few bookstores locally where I live, and they're all going to, to stock it. So it would it would be on all of those platforms once it gets that uh, that hundred percent, and I can get the ISBN number. So that's the immediate target for me. Uh, following that, it should come out in December. Publication would be if I meet hundred percent of my goal, it will come out in December, and I'll be able to have a, a book launch, Matt. To which, you, of course, you are invited. <laughs> I'll be there. Don't worry. Don't worry. If I got, if I didn't get an invite, I'd still be there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you say we're 40, 42% of the way there. How do people get involved with it, John? How do they get on board to, to donate, to back the project, to support the project? What What's the many and varied ways that people can do that? Yeah, uh, that's the way to look at it, um, Matt. It's a, it's a project to back and support. So I think the, the American way of crowdfunding is quite common. It's quite popular over there. You, you crowdfund a, a cause, a purpose. Uh, and a lot of people over here in the UK might not be as familiar with that. A lot of people think, oh, we're just buying the book. Um, but there's a lot of things that I've tried to include with that in order to make it a, a package. So there's many different packages on my crowdfunding page. Now, my crowdfunding page is on all of my social media platforms. I, I've been posting it most days, really. So uh, it, it's, it'll be available either in my bios of, of, of my LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. We'll talk about that at the end and my Facebook page. Also, I share it quite a lot, and it's on a page called Indiegogo, which is one of the ways of crowdfunding. And there's many different packages. So it ranges from the ebook, which works out at about uh, 11 English pounds, um, which is a digital copy of the book, of course, all the way up to sort of a paperback edition and some packages for companies and organizations as well, where I can come in and speak, do some impact ideas, which is an acronym that I have in the book in the creation phase. Uh, and little workshops with the people there as well. And I'm trying to give a lot more 
uh, value for, for what they get, essentially. There's also opportunities to have calls like this where we can have 30 minutes to an hour discussions about finding your purpose and, and really sort of going through different different things, really, and, and airing out some ideas with each other. Uh, every single person who supports uh, the crowdfunding campaign will be given an opportunity to access a Facebook group where we can self-promote each other, really big each other up, share ideas, and get everyone to find their purpose, really, and really support each other because there's a lot of stifling on social media something that i, I read upon called tall poppy syndrome uh, where if a, you know a certain uh, individual poppy grows higher than the others in a field in uh, it's quite common in australia and new zealand will cut the poppy down so it all remains uniform and i believe social media can be like that if not used correctly so this group is really somewhere where we can all thrive and grow together essentially and, and support each other uh, and also there'll be a personal note from myself like, like a signed copy of a personal note to say thank you and uh for anyone who does live sort of locally or can make it an invitation to the official launch party which will be held in kingston upon hull lovely great place great to place. hold it mate couldn't think of anywhere better <laughs> uh, so tell us then you've mentioned it's going to be on all your social media platforms and stuff tell us what the handles are for those so that we can find them and we can get involved with that yep so um so linkedin it'll be my my real name so jonathan tucker um, and I'm I'm under author at New Degree Press. So if you search Jonathan Tucker, you'll see me there. And um, in terms of Instagram, it's at the Purpose Cycle, and it's the same for the Facebook. So if you can't find me on LinkedIn, then um, the easiest place to find me is probably Instagram uh, and Facebook. I do a lot of live streams as well, trying to really get myself out there and, and talking about various different things and being quite open because those again who support me on the campaign we'll get to be key parts of the process, like choosing the front cover, uh, reading some of my chapters early, getting to, obtaining feedback. I'm looking for three or four beta readers who will read the book and give me some feedback, some good, honest feedback, so I can redact it and make sure it's ready for December. So there's a lot of involvement there. I'd love people to, to get in touch and get involved. Cool. So we, we discussed, we started off, obviously, John, talking about yourself. We spoke about the book. We spoke about aspiration versus inspiration, the ideas that are in the book, the structure of the book, where we can get involved, how we can get involved. I, I want to finish now, if I can, John, a, a bit more on yourself. We, we've mentioned all about the project and what comes next for that, but what comes next for you? Interesting question. Um, I've, I'm always quite – I try to plan ahead quite a lot of the time. I, try and, I always like to see where I'm going. I'm not going, I'm not really too sure where, where the book journey is going, uh, which is great because there's a bit of unknown in there and there is a bit of a fear of the unknown. We got to sort of learn to fall in love with that and realize that you can only really control the controllables and, and wherever this will take me, it certainly shall do, but I'll, I'll be making sure that I put hundred percent effort in to make sure that this book can really take off and that like I say, I can inspire a lot of people, be able to deliver some talks and um and continue to educate more than just in my day job really and try and bring people to i, I think personal development is such a, an important facet of life and it, it's not really popular in terms of british culture very popular in america a lot of people will either go to see therapists or read books or listen to podcasts. i think the podcast world has really opened it up to up to people now Things like obviously Joe Rogan, there's uh, the podcast that you're on yourself. There's lots of different podcasts that people can listen to and open up that world of actually we can develop as human beings and develop ourselves and not be ashamed of it. So I'm hoping that this book kind of breaks that barrier down with the young professionals. The the 21, 22 year old me would have loved a book like this that I could really go through 
and relate to. So I'm hoping that the youngsters who are going through similar transitions in their life, maybe they've gone through a, a phase of doing what their parents had always wanted them to do and not really found their own path yet. Little things like that I would love to, to see happen. And again, it's just seeing, seeing where that takes me. You've mentioned there, John, that the Americans have got an appetite for it. They've got an appetite for that kind of thing. Uh, you're associated with American University, American publisher. Any chance of getting across the pond? I, I would love it. I've got uh, some connections over there from when I was coaching football, and they're doing their best to help promote the book as well. It'd be my dream. Um, somebody's they'd like a little question when we got the sort of offer interviews with, with the publisher. So what would you really love to do if you if you could dream big and it would be as ambitious as you want and reach for the stars, what would it actually be that you could do? And I said, I'd just love to be able to take my my partner, my soon-to-be wife, over to America to experience New York and experience some of these amazing places as a, re, as a way of almost working, really, for doing it from the book and letting the book bring me those opportunities in life. Uh, I would love to do that. And that's something that would be... Yeah, it's 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 far away at the minute, but it's definitely something that I've got in sight. Brilliant. John, it's it's been fantastic to talk to you. Everybody get involved. The purpose cycle on social media or find Jonathan Tucker on LinkedIn. Um, get involved with it. I, I've got my copy ready and waiting to go on publishing day. I can't wait. Get stuck in, get reading it. There's plenty of stuff that I can learn. Um, I know that for sure. Um, I'm not going to be one of those people who tells you I don't have time to read it. I'm going to try my level best to find the time to do so. Um, John, thank you so much for your time this evening. Um, everybody, make sure you get involved. As I said, find the Purpose Cycle, find Jonathan Tucker on LinkedIn, and let's support and get behind this project. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, thank you all for listening and watching. And yes, yeah, please do get in touch with any questions you may have. I'm on Thank you.